This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ah, there you are, traveler. Come inside, hang up your coat, put your feet by the fire. And I shall bring you what you so desperately seek. Rude tales of magic. Welcome back to Rude Tales of Magic. It's been a minute. Almost feels like we missed a cycle. Strange. But now we return. These stories must be woven. They demand it. Our heroes travel up the Y River towards Brian Doyle Falls. They've been traveling all night on the SS Nothing. Cargo boats don't have names, I feel. The sun hasn't yet risen into that big blue sky I call Trevor, but only privately. Until now, I guess. The group is awoken by strange noises coming from a room on the lower deck. Is it more witch hunters? I hope not. They'd be uh, pretty cranky, I think, after being down there so long. Uh, uh I'll go take a look. No, uh, I'll go. Okay, we'll go. Let's all go. Let's all go kill what's up down there. Yeah, prolapse is right. We should all go kill it. Yeah, there's nothing up here. There's something down there. LB starts. Uh, she makes her way towards the doorway of the bunk room. Great. Uh, you go to the doorway, and there's uh, there's stairs, and yeah, they lead down to a lower deck. Okay. She creeps down. And this is a storeroom, so you, uh, you know, it's, uh, there, there's no door to it or anything. You just go down the stairs, and you're down there. And it is, it's long. I mean, this is the entire lower, uh, lower deck of this boat. It is uh, cold down here. It's damp. You can hear a dripping. And there's many, many, many barrels down here. But towards the back of the room, you hear a strange sound coming from one of the barrels. It's almost like a, a trembling. Does it sound like coffee? I know, it doesn't sound like coffee. Oh, you can smell coffee. One of these barrels probably does have some coffee in it. That's what but, I thought. Yeah, but in terms of the senses, though, um, yeah. you definitely don't hear any coffee. You you hear the thing I described. Okay. Cordula. <gasps> I'll smell it, too. Do you smell it? Later. Okay. Sweet reward. Uh. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy someone's on my side. LB, like, shh makes a shush motion with her fingers shush and she starts uh, creeping towards the barrel that the trembling is coming from great yeah um, it's louder and louder and there's a, like a rattling at the barrel and it's getting louder and louder and it's rattling more and more and more rapidly um, it, whatever is in that barrel can also sense you it can hear you just the same way that you can hear it and until finally the barrel explodes sending bits of wood and splinter everywhere ah! man explodes out of the barrel uh, and he lands on his knees and says, please don't kill me! 
me! I'm not a witch hunter! I'm just the captain of the boat! I'm not affiliated with the witch hunters! But I heard what you did to those witch hunters! Please, I'm on bended knee! I'm begging you! Don't kill me! My name is Chased Tools! I got a wife back home! If you kill me, she's gonna miss me to say nothing of my other wives! That's right! I'm polyamorous! I'm the polyamorous ship captain! And I wanna live! I got so much to live for! I got all these wives! I got Marvella! Symphony! Sympathy! Puthy! The Incredible Diana! Sophie Choice! Kaufabrau! Werewolfica! Dutaba! History Knower! <laughs> the Rachel! Forks and knives! They don't agree on anything! Ah, that's not fair! They agree on polyamory after all! I'll just say they agree on very little! And baby Jessica! <laughs> baby Jessica? Well, she's not a baby anymore! But if she was, would that mean I deserve to die? Maybe! Ah, please! She's a full-grown woman! I swear it! I just want to live! I know what you people do to your enemies! You kill them! And I don't want to die! All I want to do is live! So I'm going to keep telling you details okay, about okay, myself! Okay, okay, Because I know! The more you know about somebody, the harder it is to kill! I was born! 41 years ago, but I'm 39. We don't know what happened. You just had two less birthdays. No, something different happened. Oh. Something shrouded in mystery. Can I blow your mind right now? You can do whatever you want as long as my mind stays on the inside of my skull. If you're describing a head explosion, buddy, I don't want any part of it. We were acting... What do you mean you were Let acting? me finish the sentence. You want to finish the In sentence? In self-defense. The life sentence more like, are you going to kill me or are you going to keep me Albie's alive? trying to put him back into the barrel. Uh, hands off the merchandise <laughs> unless that'll help me stay alive. You can put your hands on my shoulders if it means I stay alive. I don't know what gets you off. Stir Fry takes out his butcher knife and comes toward him ready to slit his throat. Please don't slit my throat Stir, with your butcher no. Stir fry! You want more? No, I no. Just, no! I'll do anything! Are I'll we... even clam up! I'll stop talking! I'm an introvert! It should be easy! Bello! I'm the introverted polyamorous ship captain! Bello! And is... I struggle with anxiety! <laughs> it's like you learned that like crosstalk is a problem when we're recording this. Bello! Bello! <laughs> Bella's gonna put this guy off the clock. All right. Ooh. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Christ. so Bella, how do you do that? Um, Bella reaches out with his aura and, and tries to extend break energy to this guy. Uh, and it doesn't work. He knocks it away, says, Hold the phone! Or whatever the equivalent in our world is! I don't want any of that hocus pocus mumbo jumbo! I know what you're trying to do! You're trying to cast a spell on me that'll kill me! But I'm a good man! I'm an honest man! I just want to be alive! I never did anything wrong! Well, that's not true! I've shoplifted before! We'll let if, you live! If the punishment... We'll let you live! I'm happy to hear it! I'm the relieved 
polyamorous Bella, ship captain. We did not agree on that. Oh no! There's dissent among the group. If even one member of the group wants to kill me, Chase Tools, the polyamorous ship captain, then it's curtains for me. Alice. And you know what that means? That means many upset wives. I think stir fry's good to go. Albie's gonna like gesture to everyone to like back away from this guy. He just like he je- he walks forward with you, <laughs> fa- keeping pace. He goes, I got so many wives, each more polyamorous than the last. A we- stir fry attacks. Okay. <laughs> oh no, the Kenku's coming at me, and he's got his sword drawn or his butcher's knife. I can't make it out. I'm not a sword expert, but I am a wife expert, <laughs> and I better be. I got all these wives after all. Stir fry's knife. Slices uh, uh, right on his shoulder, missing his neck. Just what I need! I got a hole in my shoulder where some flesh used to be! Now, if I don't get some medical attention, I'm gonna bleed out, which would be a catastrophe! Surely my wives would come looking! There would be a lot of loose threads! People would be hunting you down if I were to die! Bellow's gonna slap him. You slapped me! Get a hold of yourself! I wish I could, but I'm panicking! I'm surrounded by killers and terrorists! As this is going on, Bello is going to grab him by the hand and lead him up to the deck, and he's going to put him in a lifeboat. He's going to send the lifeboat (laughs) down the river. No lifeboats on the... Why would there be lifeboats on a cargo ship? If the captain had to escape. No lifeboats. (laughs) Um, While this guy is screeching, Prolapse says... Dancy, um, can you maybe go see if uh, Freddy Baby can learn us a sleep spell? I've seen him try that one before. Yeah, your hand is going to do like a senior wences next to you and say like, Yeah, you got it, Chief. Okay. Sorry. Right. Okay, we zoom now in through Prolapse's eye into the skull and suddenly we're there. Chris, why don't you describe exactly what we're seeing in the interior of DeBonesby, where he is right now? So the two goblins stand inside what I can only describe as a cockpit. Okay. With a fine leather captain's chair that looks out through a shimmering scrying pool that reveals Frederick's point of view to the outside world. Uh, The cockpit is studded with tubes and vials mounted in intricate brasswork, each displaying levels for energy, mood, magical reserves, Mm -hmm. and uh, just like the health status in general of the skeletal puppet. Okay. Um, There is a wrought iron... And how's it looking? What is like the health status? Is it like looking okay? Like it is at a constant yellow for, (laughs) for like, okay. Yeah. Could be better. And so, like, looking through the scrying pool right now, they'd see chase tools, right? Exactly. Okay, yes. great, great. Um, yeah, so there is a wrought iron spiral staircase that leads downward from the cockpit. Yeah, and that right now, Goatsy is running down it. Uh, he's like, where is he? 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 The staircase leads uh, to a gleaming white hallway that just opens up massively on all sides with tall ceilings, marble floors, and lined with doors of various sizes and styles that don't necessarily seem like they all make sense to going to different places within an actual real structure. Mm -hmm. So we're in, like, his mind palace here, but, like, where is DeBonesby himself? Because Goatsy's running around. He's looking for him. He's opening doors. He doesn't like what he sees. He's closing them back again. He's looking for DeBonesby, you know, he's got a lot of frenzy, but, like, where is DeBonesby, though? Like, where in this mind palace is he? So previously, Frederick was at the very end of the hallway behind a vault door. Mm-hmm. And um, Goatsy has managed at, to get through and has found that there is a tunnel 
that Frederick has burrowed through um, from the inside of his spell vault that he kept locked off from the goblins. And he has taken all of the various uh, scrolls and, and papyrus and books and such that keeps his spells uh, so that they are still inaccessible to the goblins. Interesting. Now, the thing about though about tunneling around in your own subconscious, though, mm-hmm. it's messy and it doesn't go quite where you think you're going to go. Um, I'm told by a licensed professional. <laughs> so you, uh, so Debonesby, yeah, you're tunneling around. Debonesby's moving up, and you, you know, you're tunneling up. And uh, what's going on in this tunnel? Yes. Now, by my calculations of my mind, Palus, I do believe that. This tunnel will go one of two to three to five ways. It could either go into the former library of Spellcraft, which has sadly been mostly burned down. It might go into a pleasant memory of flying griffins over the fields and fjords. It may tunnel into less pleasant times in... And as you talk, um, there is actually somebody in the tunnel with you. Um, this is a, a completely, it's just a shadow. It's featureless. It's not your shadow, though. In fact, it's not shaped exactly like you. Uh, it's humanoid in shape, but otherwise it's not well-defined. There's an emptiness to it as a shadow, and it is with you. It is not aggressive, um, but it's not helpful either. It's simply tunneling along behind you, and you are aware of it, and it is aware of you, but any attempts to communicate with it have fallen on deaf ears. It isn't speaking. Well, it's worth another try, at least. Ho there, shadow of my mind! Pick up a spoon, why don't you, and do something useful. Uh, you hand it a spoon, and it does, it holds the spoon in its hand. And, uh, as it does, the spoon actually, uh, something about the spoon, the the fabric of the spoon actually changes a little bit, and, uh, it almost upgrades the spoon. The spoon gets a a little bit nicer and a little bit more. It's a, it's now a perfect circle to the spoon itself. It's a perfectly, mathematically perfect circle with just enough depth to the spoon. Uh, you know, it's, it's perfectly balanced in how it's, it's concave and convex relationship. Very nice spoon now that you've handed it to it. Yeah. Well, I wish I had done more experimentation with you when we were locked inside the spell vault trying to keep those gobbers out. And as you keep tunneling, you suddenly, uh, the tunnel ends and you find yourself in a large and ornate atrium. It's exactly the way that a wealthy child would remember the interior of their childhood mansion. So what I'm telling you here is that it's, it is solid gold everywhere. This is the way a kid remembers uh, what money is like. So there's gold everywhere. It's intricately decorated. There's much more than was actually there in your own childhood. It's extremely intricate, baroque carvings and etchings into the gold. Uh, there is the ceiling itself above you. It goes 100 feet up into the air. It goes so far up into the air that there's little clouds. There's little clouds up uh, towards the ceiling. Uh, they're just little clouds gently hanging up there and little uh, griffin, little stuffed animal griffins from your very early childhood. They're flying around peacefully up there, jumping from cloud to cloud. There are enormous painted uh, portraits of minions and auto de Bonesbees and various de Bonesbees throughout history on the wall, not as they actually existed, but as you remember them. There is a level of severity to all these paintings and all of them look down on you. It's not just the eyes that follow you, but the faces do as well. However, the paintings, they move from place to place. They float freely across the chasm from wall to wall. The black and white checkered marble floor stretches out in front of you for an entire mile. It's cold to the touch and it amplifies every footstep. There's no cozy corner of this home. And there are six foot tall fireplaces that line the wall, but they provide no warmth. 
it's as if it's an open door in winter coming out of these uh, fireplaces. You can see now, heading towards you, an enormous two-headed hound, which is charging at you. Both of the heads have a familiar look to it. One is a little bit broader, a little bit older. It's got a, a, a dignified, but sort of far-off, distant look in its eyes. And the younger one is a little bit hungrier. It's a little bit more present and hateful. Uh, the fur on that one is a little bit curlier. Aline and bored, Otto de Bonesby rides a pale horse behind this hound. He has on riding gear. You notice now that you've left the, the tunnel. You're dressed like a fox. There must be somewhere to run, somewhere to hide. Um, yeah, if you if you look around, you can see that there is, uh, it goes about a mile uh, back behind them, but there's also another mile back behind you, and it seems to just stretch on and on. It's as if the camera is, uh, you can see a door, it's a mile away, but you can see the door. It's unclear how this is working. It's as if you remember the door, and so you can see the door. You can see like an eagle just a mile down the hallway back behind you, and the camera zooms in on the door as the camera itself pulls back, doing that cool effect that I don't know the name of. My escape! And the fox runs, runs for that door. This shadowy figure that has been following you, uh, you see that it has changed its shape, and it is shaped a little bit like an actual fox now. It seems to be slowly morphing from a humanoid shape into the shape of a, a small fox, and it runs with you. You're making pretty good time, but you can hear the panting of the hounds behind you. You can hear their footsteps, and they get closer and closer and closer. You can hear the hooves of the pale horse, and you can hear Otto de Bonesby way back behind you say, Hurry on now, boys. Get him. As you run, the ceiling of the hallway gets lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. It's a hundred feet up. It's very gradual. It's not as if it was built like this. It simply is moving of its own accord as you get closer and closer and closer and closer to that door. Yes. Good. Good. Yes. It's too small for those big boys. Big for little fox. Clever thing. That's what I must be. And as you move, it uh, it looks less and less like a hallway in your home. And the, the pictures, they get smaller and smaller until they disappear. And the paintings, they morph around you into roots. You are now back in a tunnel. You are underground. And behind you, instead of a two-headed hound, it's a two-headed dachshund. It's a small, small dog, a small, long, lean dog, which is still following you through the tunnel. It is chasing you and chasing you. And from above ground, you can hear Otto de Bonesby say, Make haste, boys. Nip. Impossible! They could never do something such as this! They didn't know magic! They didn't know how to twist their furs! It's not real and can't be! And yet, you must flee. It is real as anything. And up ahead, you've made it, you've made it. You're running and you're fleeing and you're fleeing. You get smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's until it's just you and the door and the shadow. Shadow, if you're ever going to help me, I need it now. The shadow turns and bears its mathematically perfect teeth at the two-headed dachshund. The shadow has transformed itself. There was no sound, no sound to it whatsoever. The shadow did it without thinking or even trying. It's transformed itself into the platonic ideal of a fox. It is still the color and texture of a shadow, 
but it is shaped perfectly like a fox. It turns, bears its teeth, and bites down hard into the two-headed dachshund, affording you enough time to escape through the door. Time to question it. We're in the land of its own rules now. He opens the door and shuts behind him quick as he can. You slam the door behind you. You are in the main white hallway of the mine palace. Ah, excellent. All right, well, I know one of the goblins has been rooting around searching after me, leaving just the one in the main cockpit. I'll make my way there, rest control of the body. The shadow slips itself one-dimensionally out from under the door and attaches itself to you at the feet. This is your shadow now, shaped exactly like you. Still, it moves independently, going where and when it wants to. Hmm. Well, that'll take further investigation, but in the meantime, good job with those chompers, fellow. <laughs> Let's go to the cockpit to control. We cut back now to the ship. It is just around lunchtime, and uh, <laughs> Chase Tools is, uh, he's chastising the group, saying, I've got a hole in my shoulder now, and I'm going to need medical attention. We're going to need a cover story, or your whole cover's blown. You've got to trust I'm on your side on this one. Unless you don't trust me, I have no way of truly proving myself as an ally to you. And I've told you we could heal you. I could heal you if you just trust and then Bello pauses for a moment and he realizes something and then he's going to cast Charm Person on the boat captain. Sure thing. On Chaste Tools. All right. It works. You charm him. Hey, Chaste. Chaste Tools is my name. Relax. We're friends of mariners everywhere. You, you are? Yeah. Friends of mariners? Yeah. Well, by and Bello And Bello flicks his hair back. I find myself charmed by you, Bello. I trust the group. Still, I don't want to die. Why would I? I'm a polyamorous ship captain. I love my wives. I love my life. Singular, unfortunately. I wish I had more lives so I could spend them with all my wives. Then, Maybe more. Then get up at the wheel. You get don't want the ship to run aground. I can't believe it hasn't yet. Luckily, magic steers these ships. I have one of the easiest jobs in the world. Still, it pays the bills, and Lord knows I've gotta pay them. Those wives rack up the bills through no fault of their own. You just can't blame them. There's so many of them. I'm not a greedy man, except when it comes to wives. Although not everyone who enjoys the polyamorous lifestyle is greedy, I'm an outlier in that regard. Although the Rachel, she has a bite of greed to her, but I love her just the same. She's one of my wives, after all. Could you blame me? Anyway, I've talked your ear off enough. I'll go grab the steering wheel of the boat. Boats have steering wheels in this crazy backwater world I call home. You too. We live in the same world, as does everyone I've ever met. <laughs> I'm chasing tools and I'm walking and I'm walking and I'm heading towards the front of the boat so that I can steer. By the way, you charmed me. I would trust you if you wanted to cast a healing spell on me. Lord knows I could bleed out and then when I do, it's curtains for me. I don't know if I'll go to heaven or hell. Bello's going to put a hand on his shoulder and it, it glows green. Oh no, 
Oh, is that gangrene? <laughs> the thing recently discovered in Cordelia? No, you it's healing energy. Healing energy? Yeah. You... Why is it the same color as gangrene? That thing recently discovered in Cordelia? You've got to wash your cuts. If you hear <laughs> nothing else I say today, just hear me there. You've got to wash your cuts. Hopefully you hear the rest of what I have to say, which is the names of my wives. Don't forget that, that steering wheel. Oh, dear, the steering wheel. If we were to run aground, I'd be fired. Not as bad as dying, but I'm a man who has his priorities straight. You've got to support all those wives. I know, and I've got to communicate with them. Communication's the name of the game in polyamory. It's not for everybody. In fact, it is for me, though. Weird way to structure that sentence, <laughs> but I try to live without regrets. When you go up, we're going to stay down here. What? Why wouldn't you join me? What? You charmed me after all. Um. Go wherever you want on this unnamed ship. It's yours to explore at your leisure. Um, I'll be steering the ship. I'm sorry I cut you off. Something I learned not to do to my many wives. <laughs> I'll marry you. You will? Yeah. You'd be welcome aboard. However, it would need to be a lengthy and sensitive conversation with each of my wives. Each time we add a member to the polycule, it gets more complicated. Not everybody's forever. Everybody. Chase. <laughs> I'm Chase Tools. Yes, um, take a deep breath. No! <laughs> I won't take a deep breath. There are some things I will do and some things I won't. One thing I'll do is have many wives. Stirfry takes out his knife again and walks no. slowly towards the Stirfry, no. You've made it clear you're willing to kill me. Charmed as I am, I didn't become an idiot. No, I'm a smart man, although loud. Um... You said about a, co a cover story. Did I ever? Would you like one? I could help you come up with one. I'm a creative man as well as a well-loved man. I do think that you are probably uniquely qualified. I'm the right-brained polyamorous <laughs> ship captain. <laughs> um... <laughs> Do you want to think it over? Maybe, I like, know my way a around a math equation, but it's not where I shine. <laughs> so yeah, um, I think I think that would be great. I mean, but you know, um, take a moment to think about it. No, I agree immediately. I'd love to help you. Here's the cover story. I'm the ship captain, and you are the cargo. All you have to do is stay out of sight. Where are you going? I'll take you there. I'm going north to the falls. The falls? The falls. Which falls? Well, there's the capital, then there's Brian Doyle Falls, then there's a number of high-income suburbs, all named after their own individual falls. Have you been to Brian Doyle Falls recently? Have I ever? I'm the well-traveled polyamorous ship captain. Do you have news? From Brian Doyle Falls, you're going to have to define recently. I'm the literal-minded, right-brained, polyamorous ship captain. Within the last three months. No, I have not. <sighs> it's been an entire year since I made it to Brian Doyle Falls. Now I found the neighborhood beautiful. A wonderful place to settle down and have so many wives. Does anybody have a sleeping potion or... Only to Bonesby. Uh, when you look at DeBonesby uh, slash uh, Prolapse, he's he's kind of pacing nervously. You you okay, Prolapse? 
Oh, sorry, I just, I just haven't, it hasn't been this long that I've never heard from my brother before. I don't know what's happening in there. Oh. Can you reach, um, to Bonesby? No, I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to leave the steering wheel, as it were. <laughs> uh, we can ferry you around. Yeah, that's, that's not, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried about Goatsy. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. That's very kind of you, considering that I've taken over the body of your friend. We just assume he's going to fight you off. There's there's pretty much no way that you're going to survive. So you sent me to my doom. I didn't assume that. Oh, really? You I, just were fine with it? I thought maybe mm, he was gone forever. Oh. I just don't when it comes to internal stuff. I just let yeah. the bones be figure it out. So yeah. I don't know if that's going away forever or coming back. Hope now so. this is the kind of communication I recognize from my own... Marriage, my polycule marriage. Did I mention I'm polyamorous? Yep. yep. I'm also a ship's captain. Chase to- the bones be your back in your mind palace in the long white hallway. What are you doing? Where are you going? Excellent. Uh, regained a bit of control. I don't see those goblins anywhere. Or the terrible shadow of my father's influence. Let's make our way to the cockpit. And uh, Frederick marches down the hallway purposefully, making his way to the spiral staircase far down the hallway that he knows leads up to the control tower of his brain. But something strange happens as you do that. You're walking and you're walking and you're walking and it's getting steeper and steeper and steeper. And yet there are no stairs on the ground. It's a smooth incline. And before too long, it's a full-on ramp sending you tumbling back down behind you. The whole tunnel turns into a spiral, and you are spiraling down a long slide now. It's sending you down and down and down, lower and lower and lower, and at the bottom of the slide is a door. You fall through. lecture hall, an enormous lecture hall. The seats are wooden, and all of them have the word station carved into them. The smell is overwhelming. You can smell pencil shavings and patchouli oil covering up body odor and weed smoke. It's Polaris University, but it looks different, older. Well, actually the opposite, newer. You're surrounded by students with long hair and wispy mustaches, tight pants, points hardly renowned. A student with a politically charged shirt and curly hair sits to your right. A man with controlled flames for hair is giving a lecture on the practical limits of something called a counterspell and how due to the nature of time it falls short of its theoretical potential. To your left, a shadow sits, dressed like a young student. Yeah, Frederick is paying close attention. He's taking notes. This is fascinating to him. Can we get a physical description of what this Frederick looks like? 
Right. Well, the first thing you're going to notice about this Frederick de Bonesby is that his body is covered with a layer of epidermis, a skin, if you will. Mm -hmm. He has eyeballs, teeth, and uh, he has long blonde hair that is tied in a ponytail with a big bow. (laughs) Great. Um, and so you're sitting in class, and uh, it's far off. It's th- this information that you want. There's a large chalkboard behind the professor. And uh, when you look down there, it's, it, gets, it shrinks, and it gets further and further away. But this lecture hall seems to be infinite. Mm. Well, this is absurd. I've paid quite a good amount of money for my education, and I demand to get its value. And Frederick stands up and marches to get to a desk closer to the professor and to the chalkboard. Sure, the shadow follows you, and uh, you're walking down the stairs, and as you look, every single student uh, turns and looks at you. All eyes are on you. Well, it's my right, same as is for all of you. Uh, we all deserve to know how, the, how to do a proper counterspell, as well as the other types of spells. One of the students looks at you and says, chill out, man, take it easy. <laughs> I'll chill out on my lunch break. A single spotlight hits a seat, and it opens up. Ah. Uh. That one's got my name on it. Frederick. And Freddy sits down. Great, you sit down in the seat, and uh, as the professor speaks, uh, the equations behind him, they begin to move and ebb and flow. They're written in a language you don't yet understand. It's the same root language as the language you speak. You can just make out what it says, but you can't quite read it. Hmm. I'll have to make sure to write this down to study later. And, uh... Frederick uh, pulls out uh, some paper and a quill, and he attempts to copy what is on the blackboard into his notes. Yeah, and as you copy, um, you can see that the paper itself is getting smaller. Just a little. Every time you write, almost, if you stop writing, it stops. But when you write, the paper shrinks. This is curious. Excuse me, Professor. Uh, You look up, and you can see now uh, the room is small and cramped, and the people around you have grown significantly smaller. You are the biggest thing in this room now. The more you write, the bigger you get. My God. Some sort of devious uh, spell hiccup of some kind has hit this classroom. Everyone remain calm. It seems to have left me big. I'll carry you all to safety. Um, they begin jumping into your arms. One by one, the students, uh, they jump into your arms. Far out. Thanks, man. <laughs> yes, get in, you hippies. <laughs> it's up to the landowner to save the cattle once again. Wow. Um, they all are jumping into your arms, and uh, you actually you have a large book, and uh, it's open. And as they jump, they land on the pages, and each of them becomes a word on the page. A student jumps and becomes uh, therefore. A student jumps and becomes a period. A student jumps and becomes an erstwhile. Uh, a student student jumps in and becomes a therefore. And as they jump in, uh, a spell begins to form in front of you. Oh my, this is very curious. I hope one of those long-haired so-and-sos didn't hit me with any of their wavy gravy. (laughs) (laughs) You can read finally all of the words congeal and come together and they say, look up. Hmm. Looks up. Uh, Well, yeah, you look up and as you do, you can see that you are actually, uh, it's just one-on-one. It's just the professor 
and you in this classroom. It is now a small classroom. It's not a lecture hall anymore. It is a single classroom with a single desk. You have an apple on your desk, uh, and there's a dunce cap in the trash bin. Uh, nowhere near you, Frederick de Bonesby. The professor looks at you and is, uh, it's no longer the professor with the, the controlled flame hair. It is now the shadow. The shadow has a teacher's cap on and a uh, long teacher's robe. It takes a pointer and it clacks on the board. <laughs> And on the board, uh, you can read, spells are order, spells are power. Spells are order, spells are power. Well, I should certainly hope so. Seems uh, you've got a few more things to teach me. I recognize you as the fox, yes? I'm got some measure of awareness yet. The professor takes out a piece of chalk and he underlines the words order and power. Very well. The words get larger and larger and larger. They're still written in perfect handwriting. This, his handwriting is, uh, you wouldn't be familiar with typewriters or things like that, but this is, this is a perfect Times New Roman that this man writes in. He writes the words order and power. They leap forward from the chalkboard and they circle you over and over and over again, getting bigger and bigger and bigger until you are in a world of chalk. Yes, yes, this makes sense to me. This feels like it has been everything I've ever wanted. Show me. Show me everything. Show me order. Show me power. Give it to me. Make me an agent. Make it my agent. You fly through the whiteness, and you can tell that you're moving. Nothing changes, but you can tell that you're moving. And the reason you can tell that you're moving is because other things are flying past you. Uh, You feel no momentum, but you know that you're moving forward and forward and forward. Equations are flying by you. Spells are flying by you. Two small planets collide into each other as they fly past you until finally you come to a screeching halt at a portrait of Otto the Bonesby. The shadowy figure is standing with its back to you, its face to the portrait of Otto de Bonesby. It runs a single finger along the large, intricate, golden frame. It turns around, and it's no longer a shadow. It's your beloved childhood butler, Worcester. Worcester! What are you doing here in the weirdest college class I've yet to experience? Frederick, I've been with you the whole time. Oh. Well, explains the laundry. Frederick, I have such sights to show you. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. (sighs) 
Oh, what is gonna happen? I mean, I think I'd rather be hanging off an actual literal cliff. The suspense, it's killing me. And you know what's not killing me? incredible segue. Would you believe I didn't write this down? You know what's not killing me? Being supported by other incredible podcasts. Folks, this week I want to introduce you a new show sponsoring us. It's called Budgeons and Dragons. Budgeons and Dragons is a weekly unfair actual play podcast with a very simple goal. Buy a scratch ticket for your mom at the local Budgeons, which is a supermarket in England, and then give it to her. The catch is that it's extremely unfair and everything you say or do can kill you with a roll of the dice. Once everyone dies, the game ends, a new loop starts with wild new characters, hilarious guests, and of course, tons of death and failure. What I call the big two. Budgeons and Dragons is about silliness and creativity with a, uh, how you say, extremely relaxed approach to official air quotes, D&D rules, with a huge variety of characters from Super Mario to a realistic lion to a man who just simply loves eggs. Budgets and Dragons is in all the usual podcast places, and if you're lucky enough to find yourself in old Blighty, the Isle So Blighted, that kingdom united, well, they've got a monthly live show at Borden Bites Cafe in Cheltenham, UK. That's where the Queen lives. Let's give it a taste. I've got a little task for you. Oh, oh fuck! What have I done? I could sweat myself into the kettle. Thinks cheese is spicy. I have printed out some pamphlets. Joy to the world. Please stop trying to kill mother. It's my wedding day. Well, let me tell you something, mother. <laughs> what the fuck is that? My name is Hamburger. I have a gun. And that is Budgeons and Dragons. A delight! And of course we are so happy again this week to welcome back Sonic Realms. So thank you so much, Sonic Realms, for sponsoring another episode of Rue Tales. If you have not been paying attention, Sonic Realms uh, is a podcast that transforms tabletop actual plays into immersive movie-like experiences using real, spontaneous dialogue from actual tabletop game campaigns. Professional-level voice acting, sound design, and audio engineering, all these things together bringing the stories to life in a truly unique actual play audio saga. They're taking the concept of narrative play to wild new extremes over there, so let's have a taste. Now, this taste specifically <laughs> is about this. So leveling up is often glossed over in RPGs and actual play shows, but Sonic Realms turns leveling up into part of the cinematic narrative experience. You're with the characters as they learn new skills. Here's a clip from their Shadowrun arc where leveling up a new skill comes at a bloody cost. Sonic Realms. If I look directly at him, I pick up another bottle and throw it back at Kurt. I attempt to catch the bottle. As Draeger was looking at Philip, he failed to notice the bottle's broken, jagged bottom. The sharp glass cuts deep into Kurt's hand as he successfully catches the bottle. <laughs> Draeger, what are you doing? I didn't... The bottom of that... Uh, sorry. Uh, oh, the bottom of that was sharp. Mm, yeah. Uh, sorry. I didn't see it. Let's go... Let's go bandage you up. Sonic Realms. That is Sonic Realms, available wherever you get good podcasts. Uh, thank you so much for sponsoring the show. And now, back to the show. You know, gosh, what do you think will happen here in the second part? I don't know. I hope we see that boat captain character again. I think, you know, he's got legs. 
Welcome back. It's after dinner. We're back on the ship now. Chase Tools is steering the ship, but as for the rest of the group, well, they're not exactly in a rush to stand near him. <laughs> Cordelia has taken one of Stir Fry's eyes and is going up to the um, crow's nest. So she's climbing up to the crow's nest. Great. Yeah, you make it up to the crow's nest. And uh, so Stir Fry and you, you can see that uh, you're making pretty good time. The ship is moving. Uh, you have put a lot of distance in between Otter Squirt and here. And is it beautiful? It is very nice. Yes, the sun is, you know, it's late summer, so you're not really, after dinner, you're not really getting a sunset yet, but, like, it's the magic hour you know is coming. Cordelia holds Stir Fry's eye up as if she's taking a selfie, and then she, like, holds up a peace sign. You, like, squeeze the eyeball to, like, force a memory. <laughs> yeah, she ruins it. <laughs> Stir Fry remembers that time his eye hurt. <laughs> uh, and then she places the eye sort of, like, softly and gingerly so it's sort of facing forward mm-hmm. on the crow's nest, and then she um, comes back down. Stirfry has been leaning on the edge of the boat. Uh, he's about, like, a few meters away uh, from Chase, uh, who, and he, he sort of stayed there to keep his one eye on Chase. He's nervous about this guy. He wants to be able to make that kill uh, whenever the group decides that, <laughs> fuck it, let's do it. Um, if you're that close to Chase, you are able to hear Chase Earlier, you know, I, I don't know if I told you the whole story. I, I might have made you think that I am a bigamist and all of my wives are married only to me. That's not true. It's a polycule. They're all also married to each other and they love each other dearly. They have relationships which are none of my business. <laughs> Stir fry. Stir- Here I go playing it too close to the vest. <laughs> Uh, Stir Fry takes a cue of Cordelia coming back down to uh, get farther away from him with her. As far as you can get away from your eyes, where I want to go. Do you want to go all the way to the bow? Let's go to the bow. Uh, at this point, Stir Fry, there is just a dull ache in your eye. It's just that feeling after a long day of, ooh, I got to take my contacts out when I get home. Nothing worse. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Ooh, it's a beautiful sight up there. How uh, is, does it, are you experiencing this in a way that feels like it makes sense to your brain? You know, honestly, my brain's pretty flexible, and I've put it through a lot before, so right now, I'm okay. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the sights. It's it, it's funny not to blink. That's a funny thing. Oh, That's a funny thing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, are you worried about Debonesby? I feel like he... Debonesby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was weird. Are you worried about Debonesby? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, No. Yeah. That dude can take care of himself, and in the meantime, prolapse fucking rules. I mean, it's like, I hope he sticks around forever. Um, and the bones be... Batman's had so many mysterious holes and rooms that he spends time in, and might as well make his brain one of them, too. Yeah. She puts her elbows on the uh, rail and sort of looks out onto the water. What you thinking about, Madame Romance? I don't know. No, no I just, I'm, I'm just thinking about, um, I don't know. I was just trying to think about after. After the falls? Yeah, like, um, after the falls and after the hell and after everything. Oh, after all that. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, don't... maybe a new hobby or something. Oh, a new hobby? I don't know. I'm thinking about it. What if I can craft really well? I've never tried. Can I say something? You're so tall. Have you tried playing basketball? Okay. What? <laughs> Do you think you're the first person who said that to me? Well, I, I, is that a th- I'm sorry? I am concerned that I'm, that I'm endangering all other Sasquatches, because we're so rare 
that I have to assume that every Sasquatch out there right now is being labeled the beast. Cordelia, do yourself a favor. Look out for numero uno, okay? I, I'm, I do. I, I, that's what I like about you. <laughs> yeah. I, I see this, so oh, what about other people? What if I'm here? No, it's about us. It's about us. It's the family. We're all good. Don't okay. worry about people who want to evolve. Okay. All right. Promise me. Gone. Promise me. What? <laughs> I like when people promise things to me. There's a bump. Uh. Ah. Apologies, that rock wasn't there the first time that I sailed up these calm waters. Cordelia, the I, rock? I gotta be honest with you. You know, usually I kill for convenience and for um, necessity. I, I just want this guy gone. Cordelia's I'm... leaning over the rail to see if there's, like, lots of rocks. No, there was just a single rock. And uh, <laughs> Chase Tools is actually looking back at you and waving. And he says, I must offer you an apology at this time. Please, I hope that's not the kind of thing that you kill people for. It's just a single rock. He gets down on his knees. I'm on bended <laughs> knee begging you. I'm the begging polyamorous <laughs> ship captain. And you know I have anxiety. Okay, I'm going to kill him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we? I would like to. I don't think Is, we need does him. Does he have a function? I don't think he. Ha- I don't think he does. The shipper's going fine without him. I, uh, Palom and Abby would be upset. Oh, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, we do. <laughs> While this conversation is happening, uh, Albie is just sort of sitting with Bello, watching him intently, really wondering what's going on in that big blue brain of his, because uh, she knows. She knows that, they're, you know, we're getting close to Brian Doyle Falls. Um, and she, like, tentatively, like, gives his shoulder a little rub. Hey. Hi. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. I was great, great, cool. Wondering how you're feeling knowing that we're getting close, you know. Oh, it's, it's kind of, like, mm, tense, you know, because, like, who knows what, what I'm going to find there. Like, could be my family, could be not my family, could be destruction. I don't know. Do you want to talk about it? I thought we were. Yeah, I meant, sorry, I meant, like, do you want to, are there specific fears you want to express? Like, get off your chest, or? I thought I was. Okay, you're doing great. Thank you. Yeah. I guess I'm just letting you know, like, I'm here. Uh, Bello kisses her. Oh. <laughs> Uh, LB kisses him back and, uh, like, strokes his hair and just says, you know, um, I know how hard it can be, like, finding family in a state that you wouldn't wish on them, I guess. And I just wanted you to know that, um, anything you feel is valid, no matter what we find. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 hard to know what to prepare myself for. So yeah. I'm kind of like preparing for everything. Yeah. And that's really hard. How that hot Roddy blowing up uh, the the yeah, witch I don't know what is going on with that, but I, uh, I, I something tells me we're gonna cross paths with him again. You know. Do you want to? Yeah, like I love to see family. You know. Yeah. Oh, so you got there with him. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, I'm mostly happy that he didn't hate us. I don't know know, if he... I'm glad that it was a solution (laughs) that, like, worked for him, worked for us. I think he definitely likes you, and I won't presume to know how he feels about any of the rest of us, but I don't think he likes me. So... So, yeah, I'm I'm just, like, I'm going to try to... Stay out of his way if we see each other again. If I'm being honest, I also do not think he likes you. 
Yeah. But I hope him. that doesn't. Yeah, I hope that's that doesn't him. ruin anything. He's a bully. And I'm easily bullied. And the camera drifts away, circling the boat now. We move past Bello, past Albie, past this beautiful moment, and we take it in as the sunlight is perfect. It's just beginning to set now. It's that magic hour. We move down the side of the ship, circling around the front. We can see Chase Tools, and we hear him shouting, I'm Chase Tools, and I'm the polyamorous ship captain. I hope I never die, but I'm a reasonable man. I know death awaits me, as it does all but a few who I think cursed. Now that I say it out loud, I know it would be a pleasure to die, but not now, not in this way. I love my wives. And the camera uh, drifts away, and the camera moves up, up to the crow's nest. We see Stir Fry's eye, and we see Flip Cup, who finally found you guys. You did not let him in on the plan. He had been looking for you for almost an entire day. He, You didn't let him in. He lands on the crow's nest. He picks it, Stir Fry's eye, sniffing it, smelling it. Something's wrong. He, He's going to eat it, but eh, no, he changes it, his mind. It, there's something disgusting and rotten and bad about this eye. The camera continues moving. What is this, an Altman film? The camera keeps moving and moving. Oh, and you can see the side of the boat. And on the side of the boat, it is written, this boat has no name. Uh, you see uh, cargo on the side. You see some, uh, some large barrels. You see one barrel. The top of it is broken. It has a little bit less water than it used to have in. There seems to be some damage around the back of the boat. And we circle all the way, all the way, we've almost made an entire 360, and one foot away from Bello on the other side, we see Prolapse, who's offline, but we're not done. We continue zooming, zooming, zooming into his offline eye. It's completely dark. The lights switch on. We're in Otto de Bonesby's office. don't know what I did this time. Otto's chair is turned, and it's it's huge. This is a very, very big chair, um, and it's turned facing away from you. He looks out on a, a long, large window, looking off into the distance, and you can see the DeBonesby lands. It seems to be late autumn, early winter. All of the trees are dead. The sky is completely gray. And it stretches much further than the actual De Bonesby land stretched. But in your memory of this moment, it was the entire moment, in fact, is is, is tinged with this this brownish gray hue. It's a very it's a very dark memory. It's not a well lit memory at all. Mm-hmm. Father, I've I've kept up with all of my duties in the stable. I've managed to handle all of my studies. The chair doesn't turn around. You're not one to call us in for congratulations. So I must assume I've done something wrong today. From the other side of the chair, you hear, My son, the pattern recognizer. Once you've been started, please finish the job. Frederick, I've given you everything. I've given you life. I've given you wealth unimaginable. I've given you... As much dignity of my own as I can spare. I seem to lose it every time you speak. 
What is it you want? I want to leave this estate. I want to go anywhere else. Well, I'm afraid that's impossible. You hate me! Let me leave your sight! Not going to happen. A de Bonesby's place is at the de Bonesby Manor. If you leave, that is a reflection on me. And so you see, I'm caught. I don't want you here any more than you want you here. Then, then what do you suppose we do about it? You seem to be so smart, so in love with your little books. I thought maybe you would have an idea. But I see I once again overestimated you. And at that, Worcester is going to walk over and put a hand on your shoulder. Thank you, Worcester. I don't believe now is the time. Worcester says, now is the perfect time, Frederick. But, but I... You know what you have to do. I barely understand any of it. I understand. You don't have to understand it. You just have to do it. The understanding comes later. You don't know the spell? That's not a problem. Here. He's going to pull a book out and hand it to you. Frederick opens the book. Doesn't matter which. Any spell will do. Frederick looks in the book and all it... There are no incantations. There are no anything inside. All it just says is kill father, kill father, kill father, kill father, Mm -hmm. kill father, kill father, kill father, kill father, kill father, kill father, kill father. And at that moment, an inky black, darker than nothing, darker than space, dot appears on Frederick's skin and then another and another and it spreads, coating his entire being. And for a moment in that black, you see the bright white flash of an ivory skeleton, and then it's gone. And in that moment, that blackness moves forward into a growing sphere of just like completely flat black, and it arcs over Otto's chair and ducks behind the other side. Nothing happens for a second. And then you see as your father swells and shrinks and swells and shrinks and swells and shrinks until he explodes. His skin and his flesh and his fats fly away from him, coating the walls. You're no longer in your father's office. You're in a tomb made of his skin and flesh and fats. You see as a skeleton falls to the side from the chair. It's consumed by shadow and it disappears. Ah, what is this? Did I do that? I couldn't have. Impossible. <laughs> Frederick turns back into an adolescent boy. You cannot see your father. The chair is still turned, facing away from you. But what you can see is his skin and his flesh and his fats painting the wall. They begin to slowly slide down. Worcester's going to grab you by the shoulders. Excellent work, boy. Well done. What is this? This can't be excellent work. What this is, is excellent work. This is power. This is what power is. You never have to worry about him again. This is a nightmare. No, I want to wake up. You're not Worcester. This isn't real. I am Worcester. I have always been Worcester. Remember, who else ever spoke to Worcester? It was just you and me the entire time. It was Worcester that gave me my first book on magic. That's right. This book. Take it. Read it. I have a syllabus laid out for you. A syllabus? Keep learning. Do you like this? I know you're not supposed to like this, but talk to the real you. Does the real you like this? Well, if it's just you and 
No one else is here. Yes, this could be marvelous. Yes, right? Not bad. Not a bad way to make a living. Now go and read and learn. I'll clean up the mess. Then I'm... There's no... I'm not in trouble. You'll never be in trouble again. <laughs> never in trouble again? Frederick, trouble is a fake thing for children. Well, then I must be a child no longer. <laughs> That's right. You're a man, Frederick. You just become a man. Thank you. I will read. Now go. Read. Study. The library. Yes. Well, very well. To the library. Now. Go. Go. He runs. All right. You run. You run. And uh, uh, the door. There is a door. And it is uh, It is the only thing in the room that is not covered in, in father. Yeah. I open it. Okay. You open the door. And you're back in the long, white hallway of your mind palace. Frederick doesn't stop. He keeps running. And then once in the hallway, it's like when you're talking in your sleep and you kind of wake yourself up with your own voice mm-hmm. as he realizes that he's kind of re-entered uh, the present tense again. And he he never really considered that moment with his dad like that before. He didn't really remember it that way. He remembers, you know, Worcester suggesting that he start studying certain books in the library that he'd never seen before despite going there every single day of his childhood. He remembers something happening to his father, and he was never a problem again, but he doesn't actually remember exploding him. Never mind. Let's get to the cockpit. And he keeps running back down that hallway again. And you're running, and you're running, and Worcester is going to appear directly in front of you, and Worcester's going to say, Frederick, I'm not quite done with you yet. Worcester, what is the meaning of this? Are you some sort of backup defense system that I've cooked up in my lymph nodes or some such? Oh, I have nothing to do with you, Frederick. What? We made a promise, and I just showed you that promise many years ago. You were to ready yourself. You were to ready the vessel. You did a mostly good job, but I noticed the library's been burned down. Frederick looks to the left, where there was once just a wall of hallway. There is a mostly burnt-out, gigantic, once-beautiful library. This was once the collection of Frederick's decades of magical knowledge. Worcester's going to put a hand out, and a book is going to fly to him. And he just catches the book in his hand and he opens it and he says, wrong, wrong, wrong. And as he does, he moves a finger across certain text and uh, spells are absolutely erased from the book. This is nonsense. What is it? Well, I can't access it anymore either. I've barely got 20 that I can do these days. That's why I'm trying to get the damn college back. You are not to speak back to me like that, Frederick. And he gets a little bit taller. Worcester, what is the meaning of this? Yeah, I think you know the meaning of this. That library needs to be fixed, and those books need to be edited so that they only have spells which matter, spells which make sense. You've been allowing a lot of nonsense into your life, Frederick. Nonsense? How so? Everything can be used to build up uh, an unknowable fortress of the future? Worcester makes his hand into the shape of a crow. It's like a shadow puppet, but then the fingers knot together to look identical to stir-fry, and the crow speaks to you and says, Kaiser Permanente, that's hot. Chase Moblap, I'm horny. (laughs) I see. (laughs) There's a problem with my personal relationships, is that it? Yes, there's more than a problem with your personal relationships. You're a clown, a buffoon. A clown? I am merely a man who has a personal ship. You're naked right this moment. What's naked? You're naked for the world to see. You've allowed two ne'er-do-well goblins to hit a ride on you. 
What was I? You've fallen asleep at the wheel, Frederick. I'm trying to reclaim it. Oh, you're trying. You're trying. It's always excuses with you, Frederick. Do it or don't. I'm sick of your excuses. And he gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The hallway no longer feels like yours. The room now feels like Worcester's personal room. He had one personal room where he was permitted to stand in silence. <laughs> you are now in that room with Worcester. And uh, you are surrounded on all sides by Worcester, who looks down at you. Do I make myself clear, Frederick? Worcester, I do not understand any of this. It's clear that you don't, and so I will explain it to you again. I thought you were a creature of order, but it seems you're a creature of nonsense. That's absurd. I am of You're absurd! Everything what? you do is absurd. All you do is absurd. You are a clown surrounded by dumber clowns. That's all you are. Let's suppose you've cracked open an insecurity in me in this moment. Oh, let's suppose I have. Why don't we put you in timeout and I can drive from now on? I think that would be easier for everybody. Clearly, you don't know how to steer yourself. I can. I am agreeing with you that there is a problem at hand and... This is I, not a debate, Frederick. I'm not debating. I want to do it. I want to be Oh, you want again. to do it. You want yes, to do it. I want it. I want my body back. And at that, a door in the room opens up. And uh, two goblins say, Freddy, this way, follow us, follow us! Nonsense, creature! No, I... The only door I have. Yeah, let's go! And he runs. And uh, the goblins are running in such a disgusting way. I won't even describe it. <laughs> um, and there is a small uh, door that they have just sort of carved into the wall. It seems like there's just like fingernail marks. Uh, there's just like a little rat hole in your wall. They go, run this way, run this way, follow us, follow us, follow us. What have you done? He's following them. Well, shut up. Come on, come on. Don't you tell me to shut up. You're my problem right now. No, son, no. Don't, 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 don't shut up. Come on. We like you. I'm following you, but I'm arguing with you while I'm doing it. You squeeze into the rat hole, and uh, Goatsy is going to look around and go, Oh, I know, and he sticks his butt, and it blocks the hole up. And uh, he talks to you, goes, Oh, Freddy, 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 baby, we're trying to help you. Trying to help me? You've taken over my body. You've forced me into this cavern of my own memory. Well, we didn't, like, force you. We just wanted to, you know, we just wanted to be alive again. you got to understand. You could have asked me first. Prolepse is going to pull on a cord coming out of a pixie's ass, and a, a, a pixie's abdomen illuminates the room. It's like a flickering light, and you can see that they've put up, like, rock posters in here, and there's just, like, there's a chair that's, like, mostly broken, and they've, like, put gum in there, and, and uh, Goatsy says, Would you like what we thought with the place? Frederick looks horrified. All right, well, look, if you don't like it, that's fine, but, like, we're trying to help you. We just wanted to be alive. We're not trying to trap you or anything. I don't know what's going on. I thought I was the only one in here. Now there's two goblins, my own servant, and he seems to be quite upset about something about my own studies. He hates us. He hates you. I don't know what's going on. Look, we just want to be alive. We didn't mean to die. We died because we ran at each other super fast. We wanted to see what would happen, and we died. Very well. We had a brother who died. He stuck his thumb in peanut butter, and he got so hungry he sucked his thumb, went clear out the other end. That's terrible. Yeah, it sucks. All right. I suppose we can come to some sort of agreement so long as whatever that thing is doesn't make its way to the front. Yeah, sure. I mean, we can... Uh, uh, and and goat season. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I can distract him. I can, I can hold him off. Very well. Hold him off while I take the main controls. 
reinforce things around here. And I'll see it that you don't die within these bones. Oh, thank you. We just don't want to die. When I try to make your life hard, I mean, we make it hard. Yeah, I mean. You ordered pee pee and poo poo every single time I went to a bar or a cafe. Yeah, well, because, you know, have you tried it? <laughs> hey, okay, here you are knocking it. <laughs> we'll discuss it later. All right, good luck. Listen to me, you two goblins. That's us. I don't know what that thing is, but I know that we need to make our ways to the control for the body before it does. Or I'll lose everything, and I imagine so will you. Hey baby, you're the boss. You see what we do with you? We're fucking it up. We, you, you talk, you're the boss, you tell us what to do, we go there. To the cockpit! To the cockpit! Let's go! Night has fallen, morning has risen, afternoon has strolled in neutrally. It's the middle of the day now, and you've been moving up the Y River, northeast, out of the thick woods that were surrounding the river the entire time, and you've seen some settlements. At first, it was just a few scattered farms, then more rural areas, but you're now starting to get into suburbs. You're seeing homes. They're getting a little bit closer together. There's kids out in yards. They can't quite make you out, and why would they want to? You're just a nameless cargo ship, after all. I found a barrel full of seeds. Seeds? Oh, have we tasted them yet? Don't even, actually, don't do that. Let me be the one to try the taste. It could be poison. Did you do, you did seed muffins one time. Yeah. Can you, I think that was good. I mean, Do you I, have for the stuff for that? I mean, I can make, I can make braids of sword. I can mash it up and turn it, mash it up, just mix it into water, and it's like a bit of an oatmeal. Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, just be my, just let me experiment. Actually, do it, do it. All right. I just, I, you know what? It was a bran muffin with seeds on top. Okay, well, I don't have bran, Cordelia. Well, I don't know. Did you check all the barrels? I did not. One of the barrels has bran in it. I'm the helpful, polyamorous ship captain. Oh, my. One of the barrels has bran. Okay, fine. But I don't know which barrel has the bran in it. I'm not the well-informed, helpful, polyamorous ship captain, after all. I'm a man of medium intelligence, and that's nothing to be ashamed of, (laughs) unless intelligence of a high degree is what you seek. Mary. Found it! I found it! I had time thank to check four barrels, you. and I found it. Oh, thank you! Fine, I'll make. I'll make. I'll make. I'll make some bread muffins with seeds on top. Doesn't that sound good? It sounds really good. Albie's gonna love it. Oh yeah. Yeah, don't you? She likes the seedy shit, right? <laughs> Did you say the stinky shit? The seedy shit. Don't call me stinky. I. Okay. I, it's not me. I, that was a mistake. Come on. Matter Lynch, all of you are acting very weird. Wow, that riff fell on deaf ears! They didn't like that one! Your new catchphrase is not taking off! That's okay! I'm the even-tempered, polyamorous ship captain! Wow, I almost forgot I was polyamorous! That would be a tragedy! It's one of the main things of my life! Now, I hate to be the inquisitive polyamorous ship captain, but I have to know! Where exactly are you trying to go? I'd be happy to drop you off! there. I wouldn't even ask for payment, though I would accept it. I'm not the exorbitantly wealthy polyamorous ship captain after all. Brian Doyle Falls. Brian Doyle Falls. I thought we agreed to stop answering him. There's yeah, well, not, there's no, there's yeah. no tactic. I, <laughs> oh God. It's okay. it's okay, it's okay. I'm losing my mind. It's okay, it's okay. I don't think he's slept 
He, no. You know, I, I woke up a couple times in the night, and he was just, like, riffing on every constellation. I had I just, him. He was counting seconds. I just think he's call, he's making us act a little crazy. We all need to forgive ourselves. It's our first time being around someone annoying, and it's, it's getting to us. I take small, controlled naps throughout the day. Some call them blinking. I call them small, <laughs> controlled naps. I get my REM cycle every single time. I'm the well-rested polyamorous ship captain, and I'm begging you not to kill me. Hell, I'm on bended knee. I'm even letting go of the steering wheel because I'm pleading. I'm putting my hands together. Please don't kill me. If you do, there's going to be a lot of wives to answer for. Oh, my God, don't kill them. If you got to kill anyone, kill me. And don't kill me. I'm begging you. I cannot believe Flip Cup agreed to not kill him. But think about, like, what if he wound up in hell... And then he followed us around hell when we got there. Oh, God. Whoa, no. Wait, that's like a, that's like a fucking mind fuck. It's like a brain fuck right there. But that's hell's big, right? We're probably not going to see all the people I ever put coins on their eyes. It's just based on everything. Well, you're going to want to stop in at Cheddar's Diner, right? Oh, I do want to see it. I mean, here's here's my pitch. Don't, like, if this guy were to die, yeah. don't, uh, don't coin those eyes. That's what I get get spells for. Discussing my death as an eventual hypothetical is making me panic. I'm begging you, please don't kill me. Not me. Chase Tools, the polyamorous ship captain. I would do anything. There's nothing I won't do to save my life except to exchange my life for that of any of my wives, all of whom I love more than myself, which is saying something. I love myself so much. I'm the confidence and polyamorous ship captain. What about talking 50% less? Talking 50% less? You've got yourself a deal. I'm polyamorous captain. This oh, is no, I made worse. It worse. <laughs> Ow. It's like, he's like Peebus. I don't know. God. I thought that was clear. No, I mean. I don't know. Albie, will you help me bring this brand up to the galley? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, Albie lifts the bottom part, you know, like they're like you're moving a couch. She takes, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. She takes the bottom part and she's letting you lead the way. Stir fry, will you help carry the Sasquatch up to the galley? And she just jumps on you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's so. Uh, so uh, Stir fry is holding Cordelia uh, um, by her like lower back and her upper legs, and he's just sort of like he's wobbling back and forth like a <laughs> like a waiter who was just tripped by some hooligans. Great. Yeah. <laughs> The camera lingers briefly on Chase Tools, who says, All alone again, just how I like it. I'm the introverted polyamorous ship captain, and the looming threat of death is no longer in front of me. I'm happy. <laughs> Albie and Bello get up to the galley. Uh, where do you want this? Uh, just, just over there by the, by the counter, I guess. Okay. I mean, it's going to be where Stir Fry wants it, really. But he, as long as it's nearby, he'll just get into it, you know? Yeah. Sure. Okay, here you go. By the way, he's got to wet that eyeball, or it's going to just, like... He's, it's, it's getting linty. Yeah, it's going to get bad. He keeps putting it in his pocket. Yeah, but there's just no telling him not to, now that he's, like, figured out that he can do that. I mean, he also keeps, like, rolling it around the ship, and that's just Splinter City. I also don't necessarily want Stir Fry able to, like, watch anything I do. Not that we have much privacy anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, what, yeah, like, what would he watch? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'll be drums or fingers on. We're only 20 minutes from Brian Doyle Falls. 
I'm the time-aware, polyamorous ship captain. I hope everyone's ready to go in 20 minutes because I cannot stay long. I've got important cargo to move. I'm still the employed polyamorous ship captain after all. Thank God. Cordelia and Stir Fry burst into the room. Whew. All right, so the br- we just only have you only have time. For the- I'm sorry, we have- not have time. We do we, not have time. Can we bread. bring some quick stuff? Muffs. How much? Yeah, quick, quick. Come muffs. on, sir. Think of it like a baking challenge. Oh, a baking challenge. Yeah, yeah. Like, and somebody's gonna win. Twenty minutes on the clock. Can he make quick muffins? Then let's make this challenge even more interesting. He takes out his other eye and puts it in his pocket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 let's go. He starts feeling around for for bran and seeds and just starts like slamming the seeds and grain together and go. Come on, stir fry. Make it to the top. Make it to the top. Make the bran muffins and everyone loves them. Make it to the top of the charts. Make it to the top of the charts, little stir fry. Merrill Lynch. Let's go. <laughs> Albie, uh, Albie's like, Ugh, 20 minutes. We should probably get DeBonesby ready. Yeah, yeah. Let's go do that. Okay. Uh, she's going to head back down to where DeBonesby's bones have just been chilling out. Hey, Albie. Yeah? Before we revive him. Uh-huh. I just wanted to say, like, like you know, if if you choose Cordelia, you know, like, I get, like, that's great. Like, I, I want, like, I want you to be happy, and I want, I want everybody to be happy. I don't know. Oh. I'm just, I, I, I don't know. I was thinking all night about like. Oh, Bella. Stuff I don't. And, I don't want you to have to. We don't have to. But I'm also like, if you choose me, like, I'm very happy about that. Albie, like, Albie takes a deep breath and she looks at Bella. And she remembers the calm that she felt in his body. And she's like, suddenly just says out loud exactly what she's thinking. Everything's gonna be okay. I want you, and I want Cordelia. And that's messy. But, you know, I think it's gonna be okay. And she gives him a kiss. Zoom in now to Frederick de Bonesby's eye. Frederick and Prolapse and Goatsy, all three of you are running up that spiral staircase, but something strange has appeared next to you. There is, you wouldn't know what it is, but listeners might recognize it as an escalator that has appeared right next to the spiral staircase, heading in the exact same direction. Worcester is standing with his hands behind his back, motionless, moving up the escalator. You can't do this vile creature, not within my house! And Frederick casts de-escalate. Worcester begins moving down the escalator. You do have dominion over the escalator here. Worcester simply looks at the escalator and says, Counterspell! And begins moving back up. All right, we won't have a wizard's dueling here after all. Hold him off, boys, while I take control. Goatee looks at you with a serious expression on his face. He says, you got it, boss. And he's going to uh, go into a deep crouch and throw his body off of the spiral staircase towards the escalator. He, uh, he, he does a somersault in the air, and he actually lands in front of Worcester. And he stands on the escalator. He says, come and get him, bitch. Uh, Worcester simply stands where he is. Both Goatsy and Worcester are now just moving up the escalator at the same pace. Goatsy has never seen an escalator or anything like it before, and he's very confused by what it is. He looks at you and goes, What the fuck is going on here? What is, what is 
position. Just pretend it's a staircase. Don't worry about the movement. Run up the stairs. Go up the stairs. Come on. I don't know what I can do. Oh, sorry. Yes, of course. Run. I'm running. I'm running. So you and Prolet are both running up the stairs and running up the stairs. And uh, at that, Goatsy, he actually, he makes it to the top of the stairs. He goes, and he's going to, uh, he's just going to, like, take his hands uh, and he's going to jam them into uh, the place where the escalator stairs and the floor meet. He's just going to jam them in and go, and uh, they're just going to get ripped off and he's going to pull up two stumps and go, ah, and blood is just squirting out of his hands. Blood and boogers and snot and cum and piss and everything that God stuffs little goblins with is just <laughs> squirting out of his wrist. But it has briefly stopped the escalator. The escalator clangs and Worcester, uh, he looks down at it. Uh, he's unhappy and he looks back at you, Frederick, and says, a temporary setback. And he begins walking up the escalator. He says, these are merely stairs now. But interesting to see the power of metaphor within my mind. It's three against one is all that I see. Worcester is walking while you talk. Every time yeah, you no, talk, I'm, you I'm, are I'm, wasting time. No, Worcester is getting closer no, and closer. I'm running. I'm running. Voice in my head. I'm running. Hey, listen, Frederick. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. I'm the voice in here. I don't call the shots. I'm just saying what I see. Here's a shot you can call. Transport me within the cockpit and lock the door now. You and Prolapse disappear along with Goatsy, and you reappear in the cockpit of your mind. It's just as you left it, and you hear a clank. The door is locked behind you. Excellent. Control is reasserted. Uh, Frederick takes a look at the vials showing his health and his magic levels and all that. Mm-hmm. Could be better. Uh, Goatsy looks at you with uh, no hands. He goes, I mean, we're trying. We don't know what we're doing. No. Frederick waves his hand uh, over the goblin, restoring his hands. Uh, he looks at his hands, and they're, like, better than ever. He goes, oh, my God, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm going to use this to touch myself. None of this, <laughs> none of this is real. Uh, I think it's real. I hurt really bad when I lost my hand. And at that, you hear uh, Worcester on the other side of the door say, A locked door. Very creative, Frederick. And you hear as a key is inserted into the door, and you hear gears moving inside of the door as the handle begins to turn. Goblins, I need your help right now. They look at you and say, You got a bath where you are. You can make a truck. You can make a door. Yeah, we should make a door. We should make anything. Yeah. We ran into each other at dizzying speeds. Frederick grabs both of the goblins and just slams them into the door like they're Play-Doh. Great, and what happens when you do that is you slam their bodies into the door and their bodies fall apart, much like your body is able to fall apart right now, much like Stir Fry's body has become able to fall apart. They are a mess of limbs and fingernails and butt cheeks and noses and unbrushed teeth and bloody gums. You gotta brush, you gotta floss, and brushing's not enough. And uh, they are a mess and they reassert themselves and they begin to restructure themselves and reform into a doorway. You hear the key continue to move and Worcester says, what is this? What is this? Frederick runs to the captain's chair, flips open a compartment, and pulls an eject button. Great. Um, the seat next to you ejects uh, nobody off into the air. Um, meanwhile, outside of De Bonesby, um, the skull just sits there and a little tiny hatch on the head <laughs> opens up and a single lice just like flies out of the head, closes back up. We are back in your head with you and you hear Worcester on the other end say, what is this? 
A door I can open? This is nonsense. Frederick, this is nonsense. This is nonsense, Frederick. This isn't nonsense. This is precisely control. I have used the resources at hand to gain ultimate control of my most inner self and lock you out, whatever you are. Well, you know what I am, Frederick. You know what I've always been. This is a temporary setback at worst. I'm going back into the library to study how to open this door. You and I are not through. I hope we meet on better terms next time. They will not be! This is not a gentleman's disagreement, Frederick! Well then, perhaps I'll see you in hell. horrible scream he begins pounding at the door harder and harder and harder and harder but every time he does the goblin mass spreads out further and further and further it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger the room around you takes on the texture and tone of the goblins themselves they can no longer speak to you but they're here with you you sit back down in the chair and a belt buckles around you obscenely The steering wheel takes on a pornographic shape, but it's not bothering you this time. We zoom out and we see the white of the hallways. They become a, a muted green. There's fingernail marks which show up all over the doors and walls. A doorknob falls off of the tinge and it's replaced with an inflated little whoopee cushion. The scrying pool in your cockpit takes on a dehydrated yellow hue. A brown air freshener drops from the top of the room. It reads, farts and poops and stuff. The black and white tiles, they crack and they fix themselves with wadded up chewing gum that grows up through the cracks like weeds. A little screen appears in front of you and with, even though it hasn't been invented yet, you can still tell it's outdated technology. <laughs> it reads to you, go get em buddy, and everything is misspelled. <laughs> all right. We're all together now, just as Brian fucking intended. Take her up. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together. Try to There is a skeleton, a nameless ship, in a suburban section of the Y River. What's going to happen to that skeleton? I don't know. I think my friend Chris does, though. The skeleton stands up and looks around. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) What what, what were we doing when the skeleton pops up? Uh, you know, don't write to me about it. (laughs) Ah. Hello. I prolapse. Ah, uh, I'm not exactly prolapse anymore. <gasps> oh. Mr. DeBonesby? In the flesh, as it were. <laughs> yes, no, it's Frederick. Stirfry walks out with blood red eyes. Um. <laughs> I made some no bake bran cookies with pine nut butter. Uh, the room temp. They're okay. Look, Stirfry. Cordelia, look. Oh, hey, prolapse. Hey. No. no. What? What? Hello, Stephra. I'd love to try one of your cookies. My man! Frederick the Bonesby! Hey. 
What happened? And the ship comes to a halt. You hear from the front of the ship. It's me! Oh, fuck! <laughs> the polyamorous ship captain! I've upheld my side of the bargain, and so I'm begging you not to kill me! We've made it to Brian Doyle Falls! Please get off of my ship and do it in a way that spares my life! I just want to live for a long, long time! Okay. Let's get the fuck off this ship! Yeah! To Bones V! Albie takes one of the discarded witch hunter's cloaks and wraps it around his shoulders and says, Welcome back! Ah, thank you. I see those terrible goblins made me quite nude. The rest of you ought to be disguised as well, don't you think? Uh, definitely. And Albie's collecting gear. We're all putting on witch hunter cloaks. Hey, Fred, check this out. Stiffright takes off his head. Johnson Christ! <gasps> I love him. Please, I'm not made of time! I'm not the especially young polyamorous ship captain! Get off of my ship so I can keep doing my job! And then I can go home and say hello to my wives who are also married to each other! Case Tools realizes that they've all exited the ship in the time it took him to go Great. through this whole spiel. Chase Tools is going to grab the wheel. He's going to pull up the anchor and say, Ha ha! Chase Tools has fooled you! My plan was to sail this ship off of the falls at the top of the world! I'm sailing off the edge of the world! That's right! The pressure of being in a polyamorous relationship had gotten to be too much! That's right! I'm the suicidal polyamorous ship captain! And I fooled you all! Look at that rock over there! I'm looking at a rock! I'm the rock-observing suicidal polyamorous ship captain! I'm a tall man! It didn't come up! I had a big beard! Not that anybody has! I'm getting progressively louder as I get further away! Boss <laughs> keeping a constant! Oh no! It's a fall! Oh, my neck! I'm breaking my neck! I wanted to fall off the top of the world, but instead, a single fall might have felt me! Oh no! What's this? My bones are knitting back together at incredible speed! Was I magic all along? Stay tuned! <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow! Never heard anything like that. That guy. was amazing. And there before oh, you <laughs> stands an enormous gelatinous cube, the size of an entire upper middle class suburb. Much of the cube seems to exist underground, but even still, the visible cube stretches up into the clouds. A single seagull flies into it and is eaten instantly. Its skeleton slowly dissolves a mere inch into the cube. There's a large group assembled down the road leading into town. A man stands at a podium with a line of amplifying Kenku in front of him. Bello, you would recognize this man as the disgraced mayor of Sethesda. Although he is far away, you can hear him clearly from the amplification in his voice. Uh, let me be clear. This cube is our enemy. If you like the cube, you can keep it. Of course, there is no danger of this because the cube is a wretched thing that pulls at 0% time and time again. 
We thank the god of slimes, Boozer, that the cube has not moved a single inch since its unceremonious and tragic arrival. But let me be clear. If the cube moves, we will attack it with everything we've got. But that's not what we're here for today on the six-month anniversary of Cube Day. No, I'm here to unveil the memorial wall. All names of the victims are etched into its solemn black marble for your morning pleasure. <laughs> Thank you, and remember to vote unless you dislike me. There is polite applause as the Kenku play a solemn trumpet song. Guess I'll go take a look at that wall. Okay. We're with you. Yeah, I just... You know, I didn't really know what I was going to see, but uh, there's a big cube here. The largest I've seen of the gelatinous sort. Albie squeezes Bellow's hand with a gloved hand. Bellow is going to walk up to that wall. Yeah. You see many names on there. Almost all of them you recognize. The wall is very long. Um... There are a lot of people here, and each of them are sort of standing around. They're having a quiet moment with the wall, looking at the names. You can see quite a few names, people you grew up with, people you went to, uh, to primary school with, you know, friends, friends' parents, friends of your parents. And uh, you can see, though, that around the G area, not a lot of people seem to be standing. Bello's going to go over to the G's. You can see four names. Malekinol Garamiel, Mona Garamiel, Mandakar Garamiel, and Valifar Garamiel. Bello stares at the wall for a while and then lowers his head and then walks back to the group. Before you can turn around, you hear a voice behind you say, Psst, hey kid. Huh? What? Reading names? Yeah. You know, I can get you in there. I got nowhere to go in here anymore, man. I'm That's get- where you're wrong. There's a way into that cube, and there's a way back out. I've seen it. No. No, it's not possible. Oh, it's possible. Are you in? Let's do it. Ah, yes. Quite the rude tale, indeed. That was Ali Fisher as Cordelia, Carly Monardo as Albie, Christopher Hastings as Frederick de Bonesby, Tim Platt as Stir Fry, Joe Lepore as Bello, and Branson Reese as everything and everyone else. Rude Tales of Magic is produced by Taylor Moore at Fortunate Horse. He sounds nice. With additional sound design by Michael Gelfie and with the infinite dark beneficence of Sidney and Benjamin Paul. See you next time, weary traveler, when you most desire even more. Rude tales of magic.
That was a HeadGum Podcast.